Philippians chapter 1, Philippians 2, Philippians 3 um, are these verses that Paul would write to the uh, church at Philippi, uh, encouraging them in their journey with Jesus. And that's kind of where this series has come from in process. But he would say this in Philippians 1, uh, verse 6, he says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work, every shout, good work, in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Anybody thankful for a God who doesn't just start something, but he completes it as well? Right? That he, he, he begins a good work and he completes a good work in us. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this, work out your own salvation, not your neighbors, not your co-workers, not everybody else's, but work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. It means that there's a process, there's a, there's a destination that he's trying to bring us to. And then Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says this, that not only have I, not, not that I have already reached the goal, or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. And I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So today, as we continue on in our series, In Process, I want to speak to you from the subject, You Are Here. You are here as we look at the process of freedom in our lives. Will you pray with me just one more time tonight? Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for this moment that we have to gather as the church. Not the, not the four walls and not the carpet and the lights and the stuff, but the people that make your church what it is. This tapestry that's been brought together from different backgrounds and ages and stages and ethnicities and races and socioeconomic levels, God, and that we can all come together and we are all equal and the same underneath the banner, your name, which is above every other name. And so we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. And I pray right now that you would speak to all of us right now, that it wouldn't be me speaking, but it would be you speaking tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. Show hands. How many of you would um, say that you enjoy a good Cinnabon every now and then? See, yeah, and sorry, some of you are like half-handing it. You're like, I don't know if I should cop to that. You ever played the guilty pleasure game before? Like, what is your guilty pleasure? My brother and I do this a lot. Like, for me, my guilty pleasure is, is hostess pies. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, the lemon ones. Um, uh-huh, yeah. I think I ate one. I've, I've probably eaten one before that was from like 1970. They last that long, but it's, it's fine. I actually do not consider Cinnabon a guilty pleasure. I actually see it as part of the pyramid of good foods. So um, you have everything you need right there in that, in that Cinnabon, right? It will sustain you for a good week. Um, but uh, I love Cinnabon. And I don't know how I might date myself here, but I remember back in the day when Cinnabon was still in the mall. Um, they've been downgraded to Mavericks, but, um, <laughs> but remember, yeah, I know it's all right, right? But Cinnabon used to be right next to Orange Julius. I mean, how many of you remember what I'm talking about? Which was right next to Dairy Queen. They just lined them all up for you. They're like, here you go, cardiac arrest. There you go. Go for it. <laughs> but I, I love that. And so I remember walking to the mall when I was, when I was younger in teenage years. And Eric and I used to go. That was where we would go when we were dating. We'd go to the mall. because that, like, And we'd do that a few times. And I remember the distinct smell of Cinnabon in the air. 
when you'd walk into the mall and then other stale food items from the food court. But Cinnabon would like peek over the top of it and you knew that it was there. And so when you'd walk into the mall, I don't know if you remember this, um, but they would have these big signs in the middle. They've gone digital now, but big signs in the mall. And you would look on the sign and there would be an X and it would say, you are here. How many of you remember those signs? Right? And it'd say, you are here. And then you would look at it, not because you needed to know where you were at. You knew where you were at. I walked in the entry of the mall. Like, I know exactly where I'm at. You were looking at that sign, not to know where you were at, but to know where you were trying to get to. And for me, it was always Cinnabon. Like, I needed, I needed to know where the Cinnabon was at in the mall. And so I would make my path, and I would like, okay, if I'm here, I don't really care about where I'm, where I'm at right now. I need to know where I'm trying to get to. And I've come to realize that our life of faith is a lot like that. Is that we are here, and we're trying to get to there, and for many of us, there is freedom. But the frustrating part of all of this, the equation that kind of drives us a little bit batty sometimes, if you're like me, is that many times we'll say things like, God has given us freedom, but we're not experiencing it. You ever been there before? And the, the biblical narrative tells us that in Christ we've been given a few things, freedom being one of them. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, Paul writes this to the church at Corinth, the Corinthian church. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And for many of us, we've got to understand this, is that when I say yes to Jesus, when I put my faith in Jesus, the Bible talks about how the Spirit lives in me, the Spirit of God lives in me, Right? And so presumably, if we follow that train of thought, we go, okay, I say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God is in me, he lives in me, I have access to him, so where the Spirit is, there should be freedom. Why aren't I living free? Why am I still bound up? Why am I still fearful? Why am I still insecure? Why am I still going through all of these things? Why is my experience not freedom? The process that we are all in is not a process leading to nowhere. It is a process that should be and is leading us towards freedom. Freedom that which, freedom from that which enslaves us, keeps us in bondage, holds us back, and ties us up. And this is my prayer for tonight. This is my hope for tonight, is that Memorial Day weekend here at the well is not just a throwaway service, but it's a service that we can come in here tonight and maybe leave here in just a little while freer than how we came in. Freer from how we stepped in. Maybe some of us are walking in here and we're dealing with insecurities and we're dealing with fear and we're, we're, we're dealing with a, a, a future that we're not sure of and we're dealing with physical ailments and, and situations that seem beyond our ability to control and, and work with and deal with. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the type of person that when I experience the freedom of God, I continue to walk in the freedom of God. And so for many of us, the problem is not that we've been told that Jesus sets us free. It's just not our experience. And the question then is why? If Christ has provided for us freedom, why are we not experiencing it and walking in it? And I've found that there are some reasons, some very real issues that many of us face that tend to keep us from walking in and experiencing the freedom that we have in Christ. And so tonight, I want to take the rest of our time together to look at these things. And this is a really important segue to next week. And so I want to encourage you right now. Everybody shout next week. Next week. You got to get here next week. 
okay? Because tonight we're going to talk about freedom, what's been provided in Christ, and some of the things that stop us from walking in freedom. And as we establish a foundation of freedom, next week we're going to deal with breaking cycles in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I know that I, I have certain cycles that happen in my life. You ever noticed that before? There's certain things where it's like, I see, I'm in a cycle, I'm in this cycle, I'm in this, and God wants to break cycles. And so we're going to deal with that next week. But we need to deal with this freedom issue and why many of us don't experience the freedom that we have in Christ. But I need your help tonight. Come on, be shot number one. First one is this. This is where it's going to get hard, okay? I'm going to tell you in advance, I love you all. Okay? I love you so very much. But I'm going to be your pastor tonight for a second. Number one, freedom requires us to pick up truth rather than offense. Freedom requires us to pick up truth rather than offense. John chapter 8 verse 30 says this, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, see what he says right, word, we say word, word. return to your neighbor say word. If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. And then there's this statement that he makes that many of us heard from our parents when we were growing up. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free. And my mom used to tell me that all the time just so I wouldn't lie to her. Right? You know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, for many of us, it's easier to pick up offense than it is to pick up truth. And here's why. Truth is heavy. Offense is light. It's easy to grab and pick up. Imagine, if you will, this to be a, 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 a dumbbell. I was going to bring them, and uh, I actually couldn't because I hurt my back earlier this week, and <laughs> so I can't really pick anything up. Bending down to get this is actually not going to be the best, so, but uh, just work with me, right? So for many of us, we pick up offense because offense is easier to pick up because the lightweight nature of it, but truth is heavy. And so when I pick up truth, there's a lot more effort that's involved with doing so. There's a lot more that's required of me to allow truth to be something that I hold on to. But here's the thing about truth, is that truth anchors us when the storms of life push against us. And for many of us, we've spent many, many years in our lives building the foundation of our life on offenses rather than truth. The problem is, is that for many of us, we've been offended by truth. <laughs> Am I talking to anybody tonight? <laughs> and so we've got to allow truth to be that which we pick up. It weighs more than offense. So we tend to pick up offense simply because it's easier. And the weight of truth keeps us anchored, keeps us solid, opposed to the ease of picking up offense because it's light and therefore has no ability to keep us anchored or grounded. See, truth brings freedom because it carries with it weight and substance. Yet for many of us, we've based our lives on the foundation of offense, which has no redeeming quality and no strength to hold up our lives. See, this was a subject matter that John was obsessed with. If you read the book of John, he would talk about truth a lot. And he would write this in John chapter 1, verse 14. Hopefully you like your Bible because we got lots of Bible tonight. And he would say this, the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father. Watch what he is, full of grace. We love that. Now we're like, yeah, amen. Grace. I love grace. And truth. 
<laughs> we don't like that part. We love grace. We are all about, give me some grace, baby. I love grace until we say truth. And then I have a little bit harder of a time dealing with the truth aspect. But Jesus was full of grace and truth. Is it possible that one of the greatest reasons that we don't find freedom and experience freedom in our lives is because we're only grabbing a hold of half of Jesus? We love his grace side. It's by grace, the Bible would say, that I've been saved. Right? Not through my works. Not through any of those things. Lest, lest we boast about it. It's been by grace that I've been saved. But truth brings freedom. He was full of grace and truth. The mission of Jesus is to extend grace and establish truth. And the problem is that most of us care only about one part of the equation. So anything that does not feel like grace, mainly truth, becomes offensive to us. But if freedom is found through truth, we can't allow it to become offensive. We have to assimilate truth because it's a necessary tool for bringing about freedom in our lives. If you're taking notes tonight, please write this down because I think this is a very important truth for us to hear. Grace is the conduit that heavenly truth is brought through. Grace is the conduit that heavenly truth is brought through. So when we say yes to Jesus, we're not just accepting his grace in and for our lives, but we're picking up his freedom being established by truth as well. This means that we can't cherry pick his word. Especially underneath the guise of his voice. Uh-oh, have you heard that before? God said. Did he? Because here's the truth, his voice never differs from his word. God's voice never differs from his word, and we do this so often because the truth of God offends us, so we try to change the truth in the name of grace. Isn't that interesting? That we try to use one portion of Jesus to equalize another portion of Jesus? That we use grace to try to cover up his, his truth? But there's this interesting story in the Bible where there's this woman caught in adultery and Jesus, as she's thrown out in front of everybody, Jesus to say, lady, where is your condemners? Where are those who are judging you? And she says, they're all gone. He says, neither do I. It's all grace. She was broken. She was tattered. She was torn. It was all grace that he loved her with. And because of this grand grace that he gave her, then he would make this side comment all of a sudden that she would get up and leave, go and sin no more it was grace and truth grace and truth why because there's a process that God has for us of freedom that he wants us to step into freedom we need his grace and we need his truth I need his grace and I need his truth and it's those two things working together where I find the freedom that I'm supposed to have in Jesus he was full of grace and full of truth The reason that we have a tendency not to walk in and experience the freedom that we have in Christ is for many of us, we are rejecting his truth for our lives and therefore not assimilating that which brings freedom. Show of hands, how many of you love it when people lie to you? <laughs> no one. Like, no one said that ever. I love it when people lie to me. No one's ever said that. How many of you love it when people tell you the truth, right? And the truth was, some of you are like, is this a trick question? like it 
when people lie to us, we love it when truth is I thank God that there's been people in my life, come on somebody, who has spoken truth to me. I thank God for mentors and leaders and fathers and friends and pastors and people in my life who have spoken truth to me. I thank God for my wife. She is my grand truth teller. God gave her to me to establish truth in my life. I'll ask her, hey, babe, how was that message? And she's like, with grace. She put her on her. <laughs> Jason, I love you so much. It was a two. <laughs> I know you never said that. <laughs> she, gives me gr- she gives me truth. When I'm, being, when I'm throwing an attitude and I'm pitching a fit and I'm being a baby, she'll bring truth to me. She'll say, hey, dude, you need to, like, come on, get up, get up out of that. Don't, don't, don't live there. Don't let that be your life. Don't give in to that. Why? She's telling, she's telling truth. And I think that's what this place is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place where we can come to and, and, and hear hard things sometimes. For many of us, even tonight, this is a hard thing to hear. Because we love the feeling of grace, but the application of truth is what also changes us. So the first thing we need to understand about freedom is that freedom requires us to pick up truth rather than offense. What if we stopped being offended by God's truths and allowed his truth to change us? That's the question I want us to wrestle with tonight. Number two, every shot number two? Second thing is this. Freedom requires us to engage in our journey rather than judging everyone else's. <laughs> Come over like that one. <laughs> I'm going to say that just one more time. Freedom requires us to engage in our journey rather than judging everyone else's. Remember what it said in Philippians 2? Work out your neighbor's salvation. No, work out your coworkers or your bosses or your friends or your spouse. No, he says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, not you, not me, it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Here's the truth that we need to hear today. Most of us who judge the walk of another fail to realize they don't care about what we think anyways. <laughs> right? So let's double down on this truth right here. I want you to hear this tonight. Judgment is the highest form of arrogance that we can participate in. Judgment is the highest form of arrogance that we can participate in. Here's the truth. We have to face where we are fractured in order to find true freedom, not where everyone else is fractured. And I want to read this to you so I get this right, but when we judge others in their journey, we are exacting a form of judgment against the Spirit of God who is at work in their lives. And Paul says that it's God who is working in us. So when we judge others' journey, we are creating a set of rules that God then has to work in and through in order for us to deem that the process of freedom that they are in is actually taking place. Simply put, we don't have that authority. We got to stop judging other people's journeys. I think this is why so many people are frustrated with faith. The idea of church is because they feel like they're going to come into a place where their journey is going to be judged. How many of you would agree with me that my journey of faith, your journey of faith is a messy journey at times? <laughs> Right? Come on, hopefully there's more than one or two of us that believe, uh, like, my journey is messy sometimes. It doesn't always look good at times. 
And the problem is, is that for many of us, we have a tendency to judge the external parts of our journey and the external parts of others' journey, failing to realize that God is actually at work in us. (laughs) And it's got to be what he does in us before it can leak to the outside of us. Otherwise, salvation is just behavior modification. And I have not been called to behavior modificate. That's not even a word. But man, it just worked. (laughs) See, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could do behavior modification. He died on the cross so that we could assimilate our lives to him and say, God, come in me, work in me. And as you work in me, one step after another, your grace and your power and your hope and your joy, it will leak out of me. Sorry I'm shouting a lot tonight, guys, but this this is such an important message for us in process because at the end of the day, God is trying to lead us to freedom, and it's possible that we ourselves are not experiencing freedom because we're too busy judging everybody else's journey. Let me illustrate it this way. The other day I was playing, uh, I wasn't playing, my my boy was playing soccer. We are at the field, it was like Thursday, it was raining, and I wanted to get out of there after the game ended, and I didn't want to stay around for the orange part where they hand out oranges. And neither, did, <laughs> and neither did Justice. <laughs> so Justice came over and he's like, Dad, they're giving out oranges. He's like, let's bounce. Let's go. <laughs> he's like, it's not even the good stuff, Dad. <laughs> I was like, them healthy people. And so, so I was like, all right, let's go. Let's get to the parking lot. It was starting to rain. Everybody's starting to book out. So I wanted to get our car out the whole night. You know how you think when you're like, trying premeditated getting out of a parking lot? And so I'm, we're doing that. And I'm like, Justice, come on. Let's go. And I'm walking and I'm walking and I'm walking. He's keeping up with me. And then... As I start to kind of push on further, I'm noticing that he's like behind me. I was like, man, boy, why are you so slow? And so, come on, let's go, let's keep it up. He's like, all right, Dad, all right, Dad. And so we're going, we're going. And then I started beelining it. I didn't even care anymore. The rain was starting to come down. And so I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And then I look behind me to make sure my son was still with me. And lo and behold, he was no longer behind me. He was going in a complete and total other direction. Here's why. Because he saw some friends on the other field. And all of a sudden, as he's following dad in one direction, his distraction, which was his people over here, moved him from following where he was supposed to be going so that he was paying attention to these guys over here. And is it possible that as we spend more time judging others' journey, that we're missing where God is trying to lead us to? So we got to be the type of people that it's like, okay, all right. And maybe even better, instead of judging everybody else's journey, we can leak arms with each other and realize your journey's nuts and my journey is crazy and your journey is messy. And then we'll follow the yellow brick road. It's the journey. The process of freedom found is not experienced by us because we fixated on what everyone else is doing and then we labeled it and then made an app out of it called Instagram we should change the name of the app to everyone else's journey what are you doing just scrolling through everyone else's journey judging it liking it hating it allowing it to define me Right? 
<laughs> this, is so, this is how we do life in faith. You gotta stop. Like, I'll walk my journey out. God, where are you leading, leading me? How are you leading me? Where are you leading me to? And here's the thing that I've realized about our journeys in Jesus. Is that as we walk out our journey, God has a tendency to bring others alongside of us that will walk it out as well. Because I think our biggest fear is that if I'm paying it, like, if I, if I do it this way, like, I'm, I'm going to miss out on relationship. Can I just tell you something? That the basis of a relation is not judgment on their journey. That's horrible relationship. <laughs> I know we're, we're full of them tonight. <laughs> All right. That was the second point. Sorry. Number three, it gets worse. Here's the next one. Freedom requires us to concede rather than critique. This is especially true when it comes to the tools that God uses in our lives to bring freedom. And I watch this all the time happen. See, God has different tools that he uses in our lives to bring freedom. One of them is his word, right? We've already established that. He brings, he brings his word in our life and, and through his word brings freedom. There's this other thing called prayer, Right? Yeah, prayer. I don't know if I do that thing really well. I don't know if I like prayer. That seems very emotional. Do we hold hands? Do we not hold hands? <laughs> Is there candles lit? Incense? Like, how do we do this prayer? Like, I don't know if I'm about this whole prayer thing, right? <laughs> he, he uses community, people. And you're like, well, I don't like people. So I don't do that community thing well. I don't like table groups, 12 people sitting in a circle, talking. Can I just tell you it's not 12 people sitting in a circle? Right? Some of you sit in circles and do your table group. Others climb mountains with dogs. Narrow's table group, right? I love that one, right? Not for me. <laughs> right? But for you, and I think that's awesome. But for many of us, we excuse and we critique, come on somebody, we, we critique the tool that God uses to actually bring freedom in our life. Did you know he uses people? He uses people in your life. That's why for many of us, we'd like to reject people really quick. <laughs> because we're afraid that God will actually use them to do something in our life. <laughs> Sorry, I love you all. I have found that we tend to critique that which tends to be the greatest catalyst for freedom and change in our lives. Let's talk about worship. One of the most highly critiqued issues in church world. Right? It's too loud. It's too soft. It's too many lights. It's not enough lights. I only want the acoustic. We don't do acoustic. Right? I like gospel. I like grunge. Country will never happen. <laughs> third song, third song. There was the third song. Yeah, yeah. I thought I heard a banjo. All right? It's a performance. It's, it's a show. It, it, it's, it's weird. It's stale. It's this. It's that. It's, this, it's that. Did you know that, biblically speaking, the devil was really interested in worship? 
And I find it interesting that one of the most volatile issues that happens in, in, in a spiritual community like this is the issue of worship. Is it possible that we spend all our time critiquing one of the greatest tools that God uses to bring freedom into our lives? It's a scalpel. And I've found some of my greatest degrees of freedom in the throes of worship. Loud worship, soft worship, drumming worship, acapella worship, gospel worship, even country worship. <laughs> right? <laughs> Could you imagine going to the doctor and every time a doctor pulled out the tool, you started to critique it? Sorry, sorry, Doc. Uh-uh. Nope. You're going to use that one? Uh-uh. Nope. No, 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 actually, you're not going to use that one because I don't like it. It, do it doesn't work. You know what the doctor's going to say? I don't care. <laughs> Number four, last one. <laughs> I hope this is bringing freedom tonight. The fourth one is this, is that freedom requires us to submit rather than stand. Freedom requires us to submit rather than stand. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Watch, watch how Paul writes this out. I think it's, it, I mean, it, it's mind-blowing as you read it because he does this really cool compare and contrast issue. Regarding this, he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God. So he's establishing a sight line that we all have to have. He says, in view of who God is, in view of what God has done, in view of what we have in him, in view of what he's bought and paid for by way of his life, in view of those things, the mercies of God, I urge you then, because of those things, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Submission. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Then he says this. Do not be conformed to this age. That is standing. When we conform to the world around us, we are actually standing in pride and in arrogance and in stubbornness versus when we are allowing ourselves to submit to God in view of who he is. And this is the mission and the mandate I believe for my life is to shout as much as I can and to teach as much as I can so that as many people that can hear as possible know who he is. And as I know who he is, I submit to that reality in view of this, because here's the deal. When we understand how good he is, when we understand how great he is, when we understand how graceful he is to us and how much he loves us, I've got no other option but to bow in submission. For many of us, we are so stuck on standing. I'm not moving. Where are you at tonight? Because freedom requires us to submit. Rather than stand, and it's counterintuitive because for many of us, submission is the very 
idea that we have when it comes to bondage. We don't have freedom and submission in the same picture. But see, how many of you would agree with me that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom? It's where the first are last and the last are first. It's where it doesn't make sense. It was where death brought life. Where blood shed brought freedom. It doesn't make sense. In view of the mercies of God, in view of who he is, have the option to submit or to stand. And I want to encourage us in this moment tonight. Remember, this is, the, this is the base level of next week as we talk about breaking cycles. Cycles are broken when we are living in freedom. So we got to get free. And here's the thing about freedom, is that for many of us, we believe freedom is a rival. Right? We go, now I'm free. When, when I get here, when I get there, that, that's, that's freedom. That, arrival is my freedom. But what if I were to tell you that freedom is not arrival, freedom is one step away from bondage. Freedom is one more step away from fear and insecurity. Freedom is one more step away from that which ensnares me and enslaves me. Freedom is just one more step. And as the Bible says in Corinthians that I go from glory to glory, one more step away from bondage, one more step. I used to be there. I took a step of freedom. I was living in that. I took a step of freedom. My marriage was broken. I took a step of freedom. Why? Because who the sun sets free is free. We get incited like this in here tonight? Why? Because inside every single one of us is the desire to be free. I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe tonight the first time you stepped into a crazy little church like this. But I hope that stepping into a crazy little church like this causes you to experience one more degree of freedom. And for some of us, we need to walk some freedom out as we leave this place tonight. As you leave this place, you move from your chair. As Dana gets up from her chair, you don't have to get up. I'm just saying. Each little carpet tile, freedom. 18 inches of freedom. Another 18 inches of freedom. Another 18 inches of freedom. And another 18. And another 18. And another 18. These actually might be 24 inches. I have no idea. But all I'm saying is that every step I take, I'm leaving bondage behind. I'm leaving fear behind. I'm leaving insecurity behind. I'm leaving everything that ensnares me.